This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's better than you think. Welcome in. We are live here on this Tuesday. Hope everybody's having a wonderful day. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M A R K Z I N N O. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, like all the content there as well on Roku TV. Download the Roku TV app on your Amazon Fire Stick and check out Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. We've got a ton to do today. Uh, the 12-team college football playoff, what it would look like right now. It's interesting, but I also think it's misleading. Uh, Braves take a loss last night, so their magic number remains at one. Uh, Mets didn't play. They get rained out. We, we'll get into the biggest reason why winning the NL East, obviously, is still uh, such a huge break for the New York Mets. But I want to start with the Falcons today and Arthur Smith from yesterday in his press conference. And, um, you know, he uh, – He's 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 so much fun to cover. He he genuinely is. You know, he's got this really sort of very curt and short demeanor. Uh, but every now and then he lets you know lets loose a little bit and makes you laugh. So, um, and, and again, after wins, clearly he's a lot more jovial than he would be after losses. And the Falcons get a big win against the Browns I, I, again. That's that's even with Jacoby Brissett, I'm not sure you could have circled that as a win given how much more talented the Browns roster is than the Falcons at least heading into the season. That said. You know, what stood out to me yesterday from the press conference, and Arthur Smith talked about this a lot, and he seemed to think it was no big deal. But I'm going to go back to what I've said time and time again since the beginning of this season, and it's easy to pick up on if you're paying attention. And that is just simply that that Arthur Smith is so much smarter than the competition. He really is. And we focused a lot yesterday on that 14-play run that the Falcons had uh, where they ran the ball 14 consecutive times, netted a touchdown and a field goal out of it, and, you know, really changed the course of the game. And so I went back and I started looking at the plays, and, and I remember what Arthur Smith said yesterday about sort of how that all unfolded. And he was cognizant of the fact that Cleveland had had the ball for 10 more minutes than they did in the first half, that they had outgained them by 120 yards. That he said they flat out said they ran just 19 plays in the first half. 19. Uh, and that doesn't include the kneel down. Um, so you know, it it's one of those things where he started to say he felt the momentum building against him the wrong way needed to change it. Now, running 14 consecutive run plays, uh, you know, is gonna change turn the tide of a game easily. You know, and, and I'm not 100% sure that he was willing to admit that that was 100% by design. But what was so interesting to see, what was so unique to see, was when you go back and watch, if you go back and watch, it's not only the installation of Caleb Huntley and what they chose to do, it's how they executed it. You know, it was run into tackle, then run out to the end. Then it was switch to Tyler Algier, run out to the end run into the tackle, like the different schemes, the different play calls, the different nuance, all of that to do it 14 consecutive times. You can't underscore. Guys, you can't call the same pitch 14 times in a row in a game of baseball. You can't run the same offensive set 14 times in a row 
in the game of basketball or in hockey, for those of you who know what that would be. But, you know, and you could argue, well, running 14 times because you go left and right isn't the same as throwing 14 straight fastballs. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, throwing 14 balls in generally the same spot, uh, you know, it's just it's really, really difficult not to get beat. And they didn't get beat. It's not like they they called a run. They got dropped for a three-yard loss and then went and did it again, you know, and got four yards back, and then they got dropped for one yard. I mean, all of these were net positive plays. And the only thing that snapped that net positive play was Marcus Mariota dropping a damn snap. So you, you begin to look at how this goes and how much they can affect the game this way. And I, I'm just... I'm so impressed. Again, I I can't rave enough about good coaching when I see it. And and the Falcons have a really good coach who's smarter than the next guy. And I, I think when I when I start looking at things going forward, you know, the Falcons are going to play a much different team this week in Tampa Bay. Better horses up front, better run defense. Is it fair to say they may have a better coach? Um, Tom Brady's probably a better offensive coordinator comparatively speaking to uh, Dave Rangon. But, you know, again, when it comes to what the Falcons do on offense versus what the Bucs do on defense, it's a very neutralizing force to know that Arthur Smith can create advantages where other coaches can't. That's the difference. And that's why, you know, as much as a lot of us are surprised that we wake up with the Falcons having the fourth best rush offense in the NFL through four weeks of football, something I, I don't think anybody would have predicted. Even the, even the most ardent Falcons fans of all things would have said, well, maybe Marcus Mariota can, can throw the ball and we can, we can win games that way. I mean, nobody would have thought that this is all of a sudden a, a run first team. And, you know, I want to give some credit to the offensive line because they are playing better. I, I don't know that they've necessarily gotten better on the offensive line. I think Arthur Smith was pretty clear about the fact that he made some tweaks, he made some changes, made some things in scheme that that have made things better. All of a sudden, Caleb McGarry did not turn into, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber uh, right tackle. I, I think a lot of things have made him more successful. I don't want to take anything away from him personally, but I, I have to give a lot of credit to Arthur Smith for doing it. Now, while the Falcons have the fourth best run offense in the NFL, they have the fourth worst pass offense that has got to get fixed because you know it's not going to happen you're not going to be able to play with a lead that often in the NFL you're going to have to play tight close games where you may be trailing and you're going to have to start to make throws to get yourself into spots and situations where you could take an advantage in the game um and right now they don't have that with the Falcons. They don't. Um, I, I think that there is very much a, a void in the passing game. And I, I said it yesterday and I'll say it again, just to remind everybody, they're not making a change at quarterback, not without some dramatic drop off in Marcus Mariota's play. We could talk about the six fumbles. You could talk about the four interceptions and only three touchdowns. You could talk about all those things. What Arthur Smith will revert back to is we're two and two and we've been in every game. Marcus is a credit to that. Marcus makes plays with his legs. Marcus can can keep us alive in certain spots. He can do all those things. So everybody needs to put down the idea that all of a sudden there's going to be a quarterback change. There's not. I was the first one screaming, find out what Ritter has, looking for spots where he would go be able to get into the into the lineup, looking for, for situations where 
he may be able to start. Those are dead. After watching the first four games, those are dead. You want to know why? Because Desmond Ritter getting in there and handing off with a success rate, that doesn't matter. He's not learning anything. He's not learning anything by handing off. And if the Falcons are going to run with this measure of success, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. It, it, it just doesn't. Will it matter in certain spots on third and eight when, you know, late in the fourth quarter, you need a first down? Yeah, it'll matter there. But for the other 55 minutes of the game, it's not going to matter. Because you're handing off that much. So the idea of the quarterback change is dead. Dead, 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 dead. If you can't see that now, uh, you know, I, I can't help you. It's not going to change without a massive, massive drop-off in Marcus's play. And that would coincide with a four or five-game losing streak where it is readily obvious that things need to change. I don't think you're going to get that at all. So, you know, uh, this is where they are after four games. And it's better than people should have expected. Nobody should be upset about this Falcons team. I heard some whining yesterday. Oh, it should be three and one. Oh, shut up. Like, just shut up. Because at the end of the day, this is still not a playoff caliber roster. And as uneven as the NFC is, and as open as it seems right now, uh, let's talk after four more games and we're week eight and we are headed towards Halloween. And then we'll see how open things look. Because some of those two and two teams are going to be six and two uh, over the next four weeks. So let's see where it all unfolds from there. All right, coming up next, um, boy, it sounds so good up front. Let me tell you something. It's a big old mess when you start to think about it. That's next. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.net. You've heard me tell you about them pretty much every single day. Why? Because they're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can get reviews and news of every league, especially right now. NFL, college football right at the top. Major League Baseball playoffs coming up right around the corner. Get some good edges there as well. NBA, NHL on their way in. You get combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all on Bet Online as they continue to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, podcasts, they've got you covered with everything. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Shift gears here to college football. And um, look, I, I still think Georgia's going to be fine. Uh, and I think that there is very much a, um, a, a a spot here where my guess is, like, if I had to make a wager this weekend, I don't know if I want to lay all those points with Georgia, but I would tend to think that they will come out much sharper and much crisper in the first half at home. I would look at Georgia in the first half of this game. And let me just double check uh, what the line is here. Uh, and, and just give you a quick betting angle because I would expect that Georgia would be very, very sharp. Given the way they've been not so sharp the last couple of weeks, um, I think Kirby Smart will have an extra, extra focus on where this is. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at 29 and a half, so it's probably 14 and a half in the first half. I'll double check again here. But, you know, uh, them being up by 14 points in the first half would not be surprising to me if they are getting back on track, right? Like if they are um, fixing themselves, this should be a much sharper first 30 minutes than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. I really just do want to find this line and be sure. Um, hang on one second. Nope. They haven't posted it yet. Okay. So we'll have to wait till later in the week, but it's something, it's an angle that I'm looking at. Let's just say that much. 
So I think Georgia's going to be fine. Even though they get dropped to number three in the rankings, who cares? Whoop-de-doo. No big deal. I mean, this will all work itself out over the course of the next couple of weeks anyway, um, just because some of these teams are going to end up dropping games. And uh, where the, you know, there are, are what, 16, 5-0 teams right now or unbeaten teams? Yeah, I, whatever. That's fine. Uh, it, it'll work itself out. People are going to take some losses. But the exercise continues, and I thought it was worthwhile to at least discuss it because as much as I'm an antagonist of college football playoff expansion, it is coming. And uh, Ross Dellinger of SI.com put together a 12-team playoff, you know, uh, a mock 12-team playoff, like if the playoffs were to start today kind of deal, and basically seeded the top 12 teams, um, and they seeded them based off of not only – um, how they have performed so far, what their record is, but also who they performed against. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I don't think any of this is going to hold, and this is what the final 12 would look like. I think it's a decent exercise to at least discuss it. So they have Alabama as the SEC champion. Yes, I know Georgia fans lament it. Um, Clemson as the ACC champion. Alabama the one seed, Clemson the two seed. Ohio State the three seed, which how Clemson gets above Ohio State to me is like laughable. But anyway, uh, Ohio State, the three seed, and Oklahoma State, uh, the Big 12 champion, the four seed. Now, the rest of them are at-large bids and other conference champions. So here we go. Ready? Uh, Georgia is at number five as the at-large SEC. Michigan's at number six, a Big 10 at-large. USC is number seven, a Pac-12 champ. Uh, Kansas, (laughs) Kansas, number eight, a Big 12 at-large. Penn State, number nine, Big 10 at-large. Uh, Tennessee at 10, SEC at large, uh, Ole Miss, SEC at large, 11, and Coastal Carolina, the Sun Belt champion, uh, at number 12. So the top four teams get buys. Um, Alabama the w- plays the winner of 8-9, which is Kansas-Penn State. Oklahoma State, the four seed, plays the winner of Georgia-Coastal Carolina. That's 5-12. Uh, two seed Clemson plays the winner of 7-10, Tennessee. Uh, and Ohio State. Uh, plays the winner, the three seed plays the winner of 6-11, which is Michigan Ole Miss. Uh, and that just works, you know, the same seeding works out like in the NCAA tournament, you know, as far as what the top four seeds get after they get through the first round. This all looks great. Like the idea of a, a Ole Miss going to man over Michigan to play in the big house. Wow, that's amazing. USC hosting Tennessee, um, you know, at the LA Memorial Coliseum. Sounds great. A playoff game in Kansas, Penn State in Kansas. You know, and then you get Georgia hosting a playoff game in Athens. Like, all these things sound great on the surface. All I see when I look at those four first-round games, and again, Georgia, Coastal Carolina, Michigan, Ole Miss, USC, Tennessee, Kansas, Penn State, are four ass-whoopings in the first round. That's what I see. And yes, Penn State would smoke Kansas. USC would run it up on Tennessee's defense without hesitation. And Michigan would pound the ever-loving snot out of Ole Miss. I don't see a single close game. I genuinely don't. I'm not being argumentative or contrarian here. I just don't see it. This is like, And while all this sounds nice and it sounds like great on the surface, I don't think you get very good football. And to me, it's like, you know, eating creme brulee. Sounds great on the surface. But as soon as you get three seconds in, you're like, this is a big sloppy mess, and I'm totally disappointed. I don't know if you guys like Rembrandt. I don't. So, you know, best analogy I can come up with. Regardless, um, 
I think once you get to the second round, you know, you get Ohio State, Michigan again, USC, Clemson, Penn State, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma State. Like those to me are better matchups. That's why I think eight is fine. Like four to eight, I, you could talk me into. At least understand, talk me into from the sense of that there's going to be college football playoff expansion. We're not getting around it. We're not getting away from it. I, I think 12 is silly. I, I just don't think you get very good first round games. And again, the home, you know, first round game sounds a whole lot of fun, but I'm totally okay with the Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Rose Bowl as the four games, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl as the semifinals, and then wherever you're going to call whatever the bowl game, the national championship game doesn't have a bowl, I suppose. So, you know, those six New Year's six bowls are the ones that, that decide the championship. I'm okay with that. But I personally think 12 is too much. Eight would have been a little bit more palatable for me. Rest of the college football playoff world, they're, they're, they're probably a little bit different uh, about all of this. So uh, I, I know I'm in the minority. I'll continue to be in the minority. I don't think we need college football playoff expansion at all. But, you know, I'm a loser and, and well, nobody else is. There, there's that. All right. Uh, we got Shovels of Wisdom to hand out. Uh, and a reminder on uh, why uh, winning the NL East is so, so important. But first, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Have you guys tried Built Bar Puffs yet? Well, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. Guess what? There's a new flavor, and it is covered in delicious chocolate. It's cookie dough, delicious and indulgent. Built has done it again. It's the perfect treat for you guys. Cookie dough chunk puffs, light, chewy texture, real doughs of cookie chunks in it, and 100% and real chocolate. I mean, you're going to love the heck out of these things. They're only 160 calories. They've got a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. It is the perfect snack, guys, for when you want something sweet, but don't want to load up on all the junk food, or maybe you've had dinner and it's you know getting a little bit later and you don't want to eat something, this is the perfect snack to have late at night that's not going to make you feel guilty. It's not going to fill up your stomach or like feel like lead in your stomach, but it's the perfect treat to eat. So run to built.com, go snag a box of these Puffs bars for your entire family, or just you know hoard them, keep them for yourself like I do. Built bars are healthy for you and they taste great. That's why you get them. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Uh, before we get to the Atlanta Braves, let's hand out a wonderful shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. You know how we do it every day. We love to whack somebody straight upside the head for saying you're doing something stupid. And you can do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Aaron Boone. As if there wasn't enough reasons as a Yankee fan to hate Aaron Boone. Here's one more. Luis Severino last night uh, went seven innings of no hit baseball. And he was removed from the game by Aaron Boone. Because he didn't want to get him hurt. Now, in fairness to Boone, it was Severino's third start uh, after a long, lengthy stay on the IL. He was at 94 pitches. I think I think some of his other first two starts were somewhere in the 50s and somewhere in the 60s. But he was humming along and had a no-hitter. Man, look, if you were going to do it, if you were going to yank him out, then you should have done it after the fifth inning or the sixth. You can't let a guy get six outs away from a no-hitter. If you wanted to make sure that he was okay, then you just 
you go get him in a different spot. Don't let him get six outs away. And Severino, by the way, wasn't having any part of it last night. You can see there's video of it online of, of him in the dugout. He wouldn't even look at Boone. Boone was trying to tell him he's out, and he was like, Severino shaking his head. Nope, 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 not coming out, not coming out. And uh, and and wouldn't even look at his manager. That just sucks, man. Like, I, I know it's the wrong answer, but for somebody who has a chance at personal history, and I guess baseball is, you know, no hitters aren't like massive baseball history, but still, you know, to be able to say that you did that at the big league level, there's only a handful of dudes who ever get a chance to say that they did that. Um, and and to take it away from him is, is <clears throat> incredibly disappointing. And by all accounts, everybody online said he easily would have gotten six more outs the way he was pitching. You know, um, but playoffs and saving him for this, I, I get it, but it's just, that, you know, so disappointing for Luis Severino. So anyway, um, disappointing was what we saw last night from the Atlanta Braves offense. They get blanked by the Marlins. Four to nothing. That was rather predictable, don't you think? Uh, it felt like it was, at least from a betting standpoint, is a perfect time to fade him, given uh, sweeping the Mets and all the the emotion that went to it. So uh, the Braves are going to win tonight, I think. I feel pretty good about it. Um, but, you know, uh, they should win tonight, is, is what I should say. But still, you know, again, this is a, 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 a team that, you know, is right at the top of the mountain. And when they get there, when they close it out, and by the way, the Mets are going to play two today. So they'll play one at 410. And I think before they start the seven game, the second game at 740, Braves should already have their game in hand. But it is Jake Odorizzi on the mound tonight. So you never know. Uh, and I, by the way, what are the Braves doing with their last start? Because you know they're not uh, – I don't think they would go back to the top of their rotation again and send Freed out there on the final day of the season, are they? Yeah, they, they haven't penciled it in yet. Um, I, I think if they win tonight, it's a, you know, they'll bullpen the game or or do whatever. Um, if they need to, they lose tonight somehow. Obviously, they may pitch uh, Freed in the last game of the season to make sure that they can clinch it because he's going to have a week off uh, if he doesn't. But that's a gamble, too, because somehow if they lose and the Mets get to the division again, you know, your, your, your ace isn't pitching in the first game of the wild card series. But locking this thing up and winning – the division still, again, as I talk about it with my friends who are big Braves fans here, you know, all I keep saying is the biggest part of this is getting Strider a lot more time. If you don't, in my opinion, if you don't have Strider for the postseason, I don't think they can win the World Series without him. I genuinely don't. He is too much of a weapon and too much of a, a game-changing force um, to be able to not have him in the postseason for this team to win. It's, it, it's just what it boils down to. I know the bats are going to be big and they're going to be huge. And here's the thing. Remember, okay, as they went through DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, remember, what they did in, you know, the games leading up, like starting Friday, you know, uh, or when they started their four-game win streak before dumping the final game to Washington, they scored six, eight, 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 and eight. Yeah. That's what happens when you face mediocre pitching like Philly and Washington. When you face really good pitching, those eights turned into fours. And those are high-scoring games, right? Because free, uh, DeGrom and, and Scherzer don't give up, you know, four a lot. There's a reason why their ERAs are sub-three, because they don't give up four a lot. So when you face good pitching in the postseason, scoring four runs is really tough. It's not easy. Are the Braves is the lineup to do it? Yeah, 100% they do, without question. 
But, you know, they also 100% have uh, uh, can be shut down by good pitching because we've seen it over and over again. And as it stands right now, you know, the Braves are, are going to get the easier path um, than I think the Dodgers will. And, you know, the, the as I said, routinely, Major League Baseball has screwed this thing up. But um, when you look at the playoff bracket where they are right now, um, the Mets would get the winner of the series between what would be the Phillies and the Cardinals. You know, that theoretically should go to the higher uh, seed, uh, you know, the easier team, but, you know, whatever. I still don't understand why they're not receding. Uh, and then the Dodgers would get the winner of the Mets and Padres. And that's the, that's the rub. We've talked about this all season long. If the Braves had to go through the Padres and then the Dodgers and then the Mets in the NLCS, uh, that's, a, that's a hellish run. Uh, and now the Mets have to do it the other way around. they got to go through the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Braves in seven if they want to get there. So uh, close this thing out tonight for the Braves, and uh, let's make sure that uh, they are they are celebrating an NL East championship uh, as many would have expected when this season started. Crazy to be, to be a 100-win team after where they started. And the insane run that they went on for the last four months of the year, um, truly one of the more amazing things you've ever seen. If a team had started out like 73 and 26 like they did, like the Yankees did this year, it's all you'd be talking about. Didn't get enough coverage because they were chasing the Mets the whole time. So chase them and caught them, and uh, away we go. All right, that'll do it for us here today on A to Z. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnETL. I'm at Mark Zeno. Don't forget we're on Amazon Fire Stick. Download that Roku TV app. Check us out there and check out all the shows on Locked on Sports Atlanta, A to Z, hitting harder with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones, the Braves postcast, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Hawks. It's all right here on some of the best sports coverage in Atlanta, right here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back tomorrow for a Wednesday edition of the show. You guys have a wonderful day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.